Welcome to the Communion Podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Erin. And I'm Ramonita. Communion is all about relationships over religion. Relationship with Christ, with ourselves, and with one another. And in a culture that seems so divisive, we're cultivating a community of truth seekers from all walks of life. So whether you have faith, no faith, or have walked away from the church, you are welcome here. We're ready to understand, heal, have tough conversations, and rebuild bridges. So let's get started. Let the reconciliation begin. It's better when we get together. Well, I'm well. I had a great weekend with my mom. We went out of town because she is fully retired now or officially retired now so that she can just enjoy the years of her life that God has given her left and be with family. And so that was worthy of celebration. So I took her to a resort and we had a spa day and it was really, really awesome and special. And my mom and I have never done that, at least in my adult life. We've never done that together. So that was really sweet to get to have that trip with her. That's awesome. Yeah. That sounds so great. My yeah. host, I was the opposite end of life. So less about retirement and more about chasing toddlers and toddler birthday parties and pool parties but super fun because it's amazing sometimes to just watch your kids in their element around people their age and just to see how they blossom and flourish in social settings and things so it's really cool and really fun awesome i'm in it with you i get how exhausting it can be and that's why even as we were praying before this episode i said god even though we limped here we're limping along. I thanks for getting us here, and that's what kind of parenthood is right now. Is you f- may feel like we're limping, but we made it thus far, and I guess that's something to celebrate. So at least we made it to today. Take two for us too, because we tried to record it. I just was no bueno, and I think this is part of taking the mask off. When we tried to record this episode initially last week, I was completely exhausted to the point of burnout. Here's an example. I do not like coffee. I cannot stand the taste of coffee. I've not acquired it. I don't even like the smell of coffee. And I know people do. I am not her. I do not like coffee. I went to Starbucks and I asked them for a strong coffee that they could make sweet. And they gave me a nitro cold brew with some sweet cream or something. It was disgusting. I probably only took two sips of it, but that's how exhausted I was. And I was willing to even take a sip of coffee. And so it's a phase of life. And while it is exhausting, it is 
absolutely rewarding and gratifying. I am just trying to make sure that my exhaustion doesn't prevent me from being present. Yeah. And so trying to catch those breaks in those moments when we can. My first off moment for today. <laughs> I love it. And, and I'm so glad you said something about it because I wanted people to know we really are trying to be 100% authentic with you. And I remember when we were talking on Friday, if there was any temptation for you to feel like you had it all together or to come on the episode and record it as if everything was fine, that was inauthentic and that wasn't the case of how you were feeling in that moment. And I think it was important for us to acknowledge that and that if we had recorded for you to be able to say that. So way to go, girl, that you're still being able to say, yeah, I was not doing well and that was really hard and we just didn't have it in us and we don't have the energy to record it. But we do today. And I think this is perfect because in that moment, I did not have it. And I was trying to muscle my way through and exert my willpower. And mm -hmm. an incredible segue into this conversation as we're going yeah. to talk about friendship is the incredible amount of grace and friendship you showed me in that moment because you looked me in the eyes and well, I'm calling it, we're not recording this. And mm -hmm. I just remember you saying that and I started to cry tears started to stream down my face i wasn't willing to say i'm gonna call it i was going to muscle up as much as i could because i didn't want to let you down yeah and you actually didn't let me down by saying hey you're not ready right now and that is okay and that's the beautiful part of friendship I can come to you and show you and you can see me fully and fully. Yep. And because you see me, you are able to extend grace and meet the need that I have in that mm -hmm. moment. It goes back to how we ended our last conversation where you said, we can't wear masks because when we wear masks, it prevents us from receiving the love, our true self, receiving the love or receiving what we need. And because I was willing to just take the mask off in that moment to the point where you could, even if I had the mask on, you could see that I was not okay behind my mask. And you were able to meet a need, a real need for me in that moment. And that's the beauty of friendship and that's what we're we're gonna get into today so well girl it's mutual because we have safety there is psychological safety between the two of us and there's safety in knowing that we can show up fully ourselves and also that we can call each other up and that's what we've talked about already on these episodes is just the way that we call each other out. Even on the episodes, I've already told you, listening back to some of the previous ones, thank you for those things that you said to me because I need to hear that in that moment. I need to get out of my own head. So before we jump into the friendship part, you mentioned masks and I was just thinking, okay, when we talk about masks, sometimes that's hard to even recognize masks that we wear besides just being like, oh, well, 
wearing a mask means you're being fake. But in the book, The Cure, or The Two Roads, or whatever they've called it now, it gives us some examples of the masks. And I just wanted to bring those up. It says, all of us are tempted to wear a mask when we want to prove to others that we're worthy of their love. We want to prove to ourselves that we're worthy of being loved. We want others to not feel sorry for us. We fear if others see us truly, they won't want to know us. We want to be seen as great. I think all of us can identify with those things big time. Just as a culture, as a world, I think each of us could resonate with one of those. But then it goes a little bit further and deeper into what about the masks that we wear within the body of Christ? What about the masks that we wear or maybe we felt pressure to wear when we were a part of a church or we still feel pressure to wear when we're a part of a church currently? And those were even more painful for me to read. And those were believers in Christ additionally are tempted to wear a mask when our failures tell us the experiment of grace didn't work. We want to prove to God that we're worth his choice to love us. We believe God wants us to fake it so he looks good. We want God to make our life work and our behavior seems like a price tag. We think God cares more about right behavior than about our trust and dependence. We think we're in competition with others, graded on a spiritual curve. Our shame makes us believe we must assuage God's disgust in us. Assuage. I don't know what that word is. Anyway, there's a word that I don't, I may have said it wrong. But anyway, those were really convicting because I know for a lot of years, even before I read this book, I believe that I was loved when I performed well. And I worked in the music industry. And I had this prestigious work that I got to do. And it was this cool, fancy, hip world that I got to be a part of. And then I left that. But those things that I did there translated into the work I did in ministry. And the saddest part of all of that is that I took the same expectations that I believed a corporate company had on me. And I started to displace those on God. And I would see those things come from people in leadership over me where there was a hierarchy. I did feel like I was being graded on a spiritual curve. I did feel like I wanted to prove to God that I was worthy of his choice to love me. And so masks and that language around wearing a mask is really, really important to me because that is where I've hidden my whole life. I have used multiple masks and, and worn multiple masks over the, my lifetime. And my biggest one as a child and even into my adult years was my humor. And you've heard me say it before. My humor is now my, my favorite part of myself. And I'm saying that boldly and honestly. I think when God looks at Erin, he's, that's my girl. I love her. She cracks me up. She is so funny and she brings so much joy to people's lives. And I really believe that. But it's crazy how the very thing that God has gifted me with is the very thing I hid behind as well. And I used to self-deprecate. I would make fun of other people just to get a laugh. 
And I hid behind that because I was so deeply insecure and I so deeply believed I wasn't enough or that I was too much. And so the masks we wear are a very painful part of us. And they also are a result of the story that we've been telling ourselves about ourselves, about others, and especially about God. What about you? Masks that can you think of masks that you feel like you've worn? I think there's two for me that really, really stood out. And it was proving to others that we're worthy of their loves and not wanting people to feel sorry for us. I think when I talk about proving to others that I'm worthy to be loved, when we were talking about communion to start, a lot of the reason I agreed to be a part of this was because I know it was something I was longing for and I was looking for. I grew up with a complicated past, searching for my place in this world, my place of belonging, abandoned mm-hmm. by a dad. So my daddy issues play a huge role in this. I also am mixed. So we've talked about this, but come from mixed race, oftentimes racially ambiguous, not feeling like there's really a place where I belong. I grew up in the hood. I went to private school because I was smart. So I was trying to prove myself back home in the hood and also trying to hustle and perform and work my way to prove I belong and battle imposter syndrome in my private school. Then I go to college as the broke kid sitting next to CEO's children not knowing should I be there. Then I end up in corporate America, which you want to talk about imposter syndrome. There are so many times where you question, am I smart enough to be in this room? And so for me, a lot of what I was seeking my whole life and why this is so important to me, the fact that we're creating a community is because I was seeking belonging. And my way of seeking belonging was me using survival tactics at times, chameleon or overperforming or over hustling or overcompensating to prove I belong. I want to do anything possible to make sure you do not reject me. You do not realize that I don't actually belong here. So what do I have to do to belong here? So I think that was one that has played an incredible part in my story. The second one was not wanting anyone to feel sorry for me. And I say that in terms of, I will complain all day, tell you, oh my God, this is what's happening. But I will always caveat it with, but this is my life. I chose this path, so it's me. Because people will always ask me, well, what do you need? Or what can I do to help? And I hate, hate, hate asking for help. I hate needing help. I hate somebody feeling sorry for me. Sometimes I just want to say what it is. I'm just telling you what's going on. I don't need you to do anything. I just need to get down and say what it is. And then I'll figure it out. But part of me not wanting help is me battling my own. It's me not wanting to feel like a burden on somebody. So as soon as the question, what do you need or how can I help in this season, come. 
That is the exclamation point or the period on my rant. I will be quiet because no, I was not telling this to you so you could come be my superhero or save me. I don't want your help. I got this. I'm strong. I don't want you to think I'm weak. No, 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 no. Cry. And so those have been the math that have shown up for me a lot. And in my adult life, and especially as a mom, I have had to really, really combat so that I don't find myself in situations where I'm battling an anxiety attack or I'm not feeling completely exhausted or I'm losing it on my kid because they'd asked me the five million question today. And so I will say that it's easier sometimes to just put on a mask. I don't want to tell you what's going on with me because if I tell you what's going on with me, you're going to try to figure out how to help or feel sorry for me. I hate that feeling. I don't want to be a burden because then you might throw me away. Here, I also want to prove to you that I belong and that I'm worthy and that I'm great and that I'm good and you should love me and I'm going to do whatever to make you feel that way, which is also a way to burn out. And so that's a mask that I've put on to say, hey, look at me. I'm here. Love me. Don't reject me. I belong. Yeah. And those have been the two that have really, really manifested in my life. And where I'm finally at a place, especially now with the awareness, I haven't read this book to say, Milskov, I don't have it to, to pretend anymore. Well, you know what really pisses me off about the masks that we wear is that while they serve us for a point in time, they don't serve us long term. And if anything, they make things worse. And as you were talking, one, I resonated with what you said because you're one of my best friends and I see those things in you and I see where the masks want to creep back in and you have safety with me and I can still see a mask creep up and vice versa. I'm sure that you see my masks creep up. And that's just the way that we continue to respond to the pain and the hurt and the brokenness in our life and in our journey and the ways that we have learned to not trust people. Therefore, it's really hard to trust God and what he says about us. And there's this beautiful analogy that they give in the book about a butterfly. And I want to talk about that in a second. but. One of the other masks I thought of that just popped into my head as we were talking was over the weekend, I was talking to my mom and saying, I'm so tired of writing stories in my head about Mm -hmm. what other people think about me. And I know we've talked about this a lot. And a lot of you have commented back to me, text me or DM'd us, or even I've had some people call and say, man, thanks for being vulnerable, both you and TT are being so honest, but I feel like I'm a broken record on a lot of those episodes of saying, I'm assuming people don't like me. And on on the outside, I seem really confident and I don't care what you think. And that's a defense mechanism, but behind closed doors, I can have a hard conversation with you. I will never, ever avoid having a hard conversation. But after I have that hard conversation, I will be in my head about it. And so I'm working really hard on that. And so one of the things I was saying to my mom was, I don't want to keep this broken record going if I've been doing a lot of hard work on that lately. And a great example is when I'm pursuing a friend to hang out and 
there's been a couple people that I really love and want to hang out with them and want to spend time with them, but I feel like I'm constantly chasing them down to spend time and then they cancel and then I can't get them to commit to hang out with me again. And immediately in my head, I go to this place of, well, they're mad at me. Well, I did something wrong. Well, what did I do wrong? Well, why are they mad at me? And then I start becoming mad at them about it because I'm like, how, why are you mad at me? I didn't even do anything. And then I stop myself and I'm like, oh my gosh, Aaron, if you didn't do anything, then don't assume they're mad at you. And I wear this mask of self-protection. And today, which is a great example of it, one of the people that I was letting run rampant in my head of making an assumption that they were mad at me, texted me today and just said, hey, out of the blue, I'm so sorry I never responded to these texts. I've been taking a break from my phone for a while and I just haven't had it in me. And so I'm just now catching up on texts and then answered my texts. And I was like, this is proof that the stories that we write about people have to do with our own stuff that we've got going on of believing about ourselves. And then it puts, that's what causes us to keep putting that mask back on out of self-protection. That's what a mask is for. We wear masks to self-protect. But what happens when we take the mask off? And that's what I love. Go ahead. I love when you were talking about the friend just text like, hey, I just take a break from my phone. Somebody said this to me, or maybe I saw a meme or something, but it was, we swear we are main characters in people's stories, merely background players. We are the people in the back saying, Peas and carrots, peas and carrots, peas and carrots. So it looks like we're having a conversation. One hundred. give ourselves much more credit of playing a larger role in other people's stories. And lots of times they have no room, no capacity, no thought. <laughs> and so we play out this whole movie that is not a reality. Totally. Totally. And... I think my counselor says it best. She's, Erin, not everyone's always thinking about you all the time. Not everyone's thinking about you as much as you're thinking about the situation. So quit it, you know? It's very true. Okay, so there's this analogy in the book that I love. And it talks about when we take the mask off and we, let's say we're wearing a mask because of insecurity, which is a lot of times what it is, or we have something that we're trying to hide. And it, it also prevents us from seeing who we truly are. That's the other part of the mask, right, is only our mask receives love when other people try to love us. But also, when we believe we really are the person on the mask instead of the person behind the mask, we also are not able to extend love to ourselves. And yet, who we were created to be never changes. That DNA is has always been there and will always be there. It's just us waking up to it. And this is really cool. It said if we brought a caterpillar to a biologist and asked him to analyze it and describe its DNA, he would tell us, I know this looks like a caterpillar to you, but scientifically, according to every test, including DNA, this is fully and completely a butterfly. Wow. God has wired into a creature looking nothing like a butterfly, a perfectly complete butterfly identity. And because the caterpillar is a butterfly, in essence, it will one day display the behavior and attributes of a butterfly. 
the caterpillar matures into what is already true about it. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, berating the caterpillar for not being more like a butterfly. Oh, I'm getting goosebumps right now. Is not only futile, it will probably hurt its tiny ears. So it is with us. God has given us the DNA of righteousness. We are saints. Nothing we do will make us more righteous than we already are. Nothing we do will alter this reality. God knows our DNA. He knows that we are Christ and me. And now he is asking us to join him in what he already knows is true. Gosh, that made me cry. It's so good. And it's so true. And we don't even know who we are. That line. The caterpillar matures into what is already true about it. What is already true about us and that we are so busy, distracted and focused on hurt and pain or focused on what other people think of us that we're missing out on what is already true about us and what God already says about us and who we already were made to be. Limitless potential. Yeah, we're too, we're too busy trying to be what we think everybody else wants us to be versus yeah. what we were actually created to be. Yeah. Yeah. And when it comes to relationships with other people and being a part of community, it makes me think we do not want to be friends with people who sit around self-berating themselves. I know I don't. When I'm around a person that all they do is talk crap about themselves or talk crap about other people, it's really hard to be around them. <laughs> but the people who know who they are, those are the most attractive people to be around. The people who are unapologetically themselves, the people who live authentically for who they are. Those are the people that I want to spend my time with. Those are the people I want to be around because I believe I'm safe with them. And to know who you are doesn't mean that you've got your crap together. To know who you are is that you're willing to tell on yourself, but trust that on your worst day, God and others don't love you any less. Yeah, yeah. And that's really important work that you and I have had to do with each other. I'm grateful for the three years it took us to start this because think about the depth of our relationship and the depth of our friendship in the midst of doing this work. We did this work first and foremost with one another. We're able to do communion and to lead this movement because we've been doing this work with one another and we have seen how it has changed our lives. And that is such an important milestone in my own journey, in my own heart, when I have found people who I can do life with authentically without a mask and tell them the very worst about myself and be the very worst of myself in front of them and yet be restored back. Yep. And I think we can do life alone. We were never right. meant to live in isolation. And yep. I think that's worth noting. Yep. When God created man, Adam, he literally created Eve stating man should not be alone. There is yep. no way on earth so long as we're living that we are going to do this thing alone. Absolutely. My pastor a couple of weeks ago said this quote and he said, we can talk to ourselves more than anybody else. 
So mm-hmm. going back to what you said about us loving ourselves or how we feel about ourselves first and foremost, it's mm-hmm. because we're that voice in our head that's talking to us all day. That is what's conjuring up our vision of ourselves, whether it be our love for ourselves or whether it be our disgust at times with ourselves, whether it be the way we hug us when we need a hug or beat us up when we are already feeling down. That is a majority of the way we spend our lives is in our head, rehearsing those lines to ourselves. And then to your point, we project that on people or mm-hmm. try to almost like bamboozle people to believe or prove to ourselves, if you will, that that's not who we actually are, which comes into the performance and the working. And then we lose ourselves somewhere along the way. We can't yeah. separate fact from fiction. We can't separate reality from or truth from lie we cannot figure out who we actually are at our core at the essence of who we are if you remove it all yeah because we will always do life with people we won't get moments where we can just figure it out in isolation we have to figure it out through relationship we have to figure it out through our friendships, through our marriages, through our parenting, through being parented. That is absolutely necessary and will always be a requirement for us. And so knowing that, I think there are a couple of things that are super true. We have to be mindful of who we're doing life with. The pastor this weekend preached from Jonah and he was like, you thought this was a story about a whale. And as you go into Jonah 1, he talks about when the storm hit the boat. Hmm. And he said, the only reason that storm hit the boat was because Jonah got on that boat. And his question was, who is on your boat? Because sometimes that's the reason why you have storm in your life. Who you're inviting into your circle. Not everybody is meant to do this walk with us. Not everyone is meant to speak life into us. Not everyone is meant to speak to us about who we are. I do believe God does love us so much that he does provide us with people that are there to remind us of who we are, even when we forget, that are there to extend grace to us, extend compassion to us, even when we don't have the ability to extend it to ourselves. So I'm not saying that no one should have that authority in our lives because I do believe that God uses people, but I do think we need to be mindful. I got caught up in allowing performance reviews from corporate America that aims to turn us into robots and make everyone the same, dictate who I was or get in my head to make me think I was not something or I needed to be more of something else. And so we have to be mindful of the voices we allow in our lives that affirm us or tell us who we are and identify whether it's real or not. Oh, that's good, T. That's really good. That'll preach. It's because I think about the amount of people that I have allowed into my life 
who once I walked away from that relationship or that friendship, things with what I believed about myself started to shift and started to change. And we've okay. talked about this before of, I don't want to ever give up on someone. I want to stick with people. Fr friendships, I see lots of memes or different counselors on Instagram say, sometimes friendships are for seasons. And I want to royally deny that and just say, no, if you're my friend, I will be faithful to you till the end. I don't ever want to give up on someone. I want to be with them forever. But to the detriment sometimes of being hurt, deeply hurt by those people, where there's not a ton of love that's coming in and out. And I spend more time being frustrated. And the more I don't feel like I'm in that place now, thankfully, but in my younger years, I would hold on for dear life with a lot of people who I didn't necessarily need to stay friends with. And honestly, the difference is they're not missing me. And my, I'm my best friend of 15, 16 years now always says this to me. She said, I don't lose friendships because you don't lose things that belong to you. Like, they were never mine to begin with. And if I can lose it that easily, then it was never mine. They were that's never good. for me. If they that's could walk good. away. And so that's real. That's good. Well, I love what it says in the book about friendships because this to me are the friendships that I will fight for for life and the friendships that I can't fight for for life are the ones that this where this didn't exist it says the friendships that we know are allowed to dwell in the room of grace so these are people who allow us to be who we are with them and don't just allow us but push us to the butterfly so to speak that we just talked about they push us towards reminding ourselves that that's really who we are and that's who we've always been. And it says we, give a, we gave unspoken permission for the other to tell us the hard truth, even badly expressed, because we are convinced that the other person has our back. That one of my other best friends, I have two best friends in life and my other one, we have this relationship where we say the hard things. Sometimes it's just like, girl, I just got to give it to you straight. I always ask her, do you want it with salt or sugar? Because I used to just always give it with salt. And he called us to be the salt on earth. I was like, yeah. But she was like, some black or sugar. But we say the real things to us, to each other. And sometimes that hurts. And I want to call this out really quick because you get that people get hurt. There is a huge difference between somebody judging you. And you feeling conviction in your own part. And they're mm -hmm. discerning. There are certain people that need to tell you some hard things. You getting your feelings hurt, you got to figure out whether it's because you feel judged and you don't. That's not true. I know what I just said. Hey, you got to be careful with the voices that are in your life. But if it's somebody that loves you, you got to believe yep. that they're not judging you. If you get hurt, you got to believe that that's your conviction that's hurting. Mm -hmm. And you yeah. know that's true. And it needs to be changed. But I had this friend and we say the hard things to each other sometimes because she does have authority in my life. And I have in hers because we do believe the God in us and we do believe that God purposely placed us in each other's lives. Yes. 
But when we say the hard things, we might need a break for a second to go process it. It will not break our friendship. Oh, totally. Because we know that those hard things are only meant from a place of love and meant to see us grow and evolve or not self-harm. Yep. And that's important. But there is a passage in this book that I have to read because it is so important to me. Yeah, do it. You share? It really was something like I wrote wow in the margins, started, circled it. Because this right here is what I think a lot of people suffer from. It's that yeah. the entirety of your life in Christ is about learning to receive love. So mm. six, it says, the spiritually immature are not loved well, but it is not because they fail. They are not loved well because they fail to trust the love of another. Because they trust mm. no one, their needs aren't met. Because their needs aren't met, they live out of selfishness. Not only do they not receive love, they don't give it either. In God's eyes, receiving love always comes before giving love. Please read that last sentence again. It says, in God's eyes, receiving love always comes before giving love. We have heard too many messages on learning to love more or learning to love better. In truth, we love only when we first learn how to receive the love of God and others. We love because he first loved us. And then it goes on and it says, real love, however, is always the process of meeting needs. We don't know how to receive love. But the reason we often don't know how to receive love is because we walk around not loving ourselves. Right. Not believing yeah. we're worthy of love. Not believing we're deserving of it. Which is why we put on that mask to say, I don't believe I'm worthy of it. I don't believe I'm enough. Let me put on this at mask to prove to you I am. But because yes. the mask is blocking our true self from receiving that love, we still don't feel the love. It's what my guy yes. Drake called fake love. All of this fake love that we're right. getting, it's leaving this void. Because yes. we know that people are not loving the true version of ourselves because we refuse to let our true versions be seen. Then therefore, we feel empty. Yep. We have unmet needs. We yep. cannot receive the love because we don't believe it to be true. Yeah. And I do believe when we go back to one of our anchor scriptures, the greatest commandments of all, love your God with all your yep. heart, but the second one, yep. love your neighbor as yourself. It yeah. says right here, receiving love always comes before giving love. We have heard love us and believe that we are worthy of God's love so that we can overflow with love, allowing people in and then loving our people and giving them the gift to know that they're worthy of love. That yeah. they are worthy of God's love and that we're here even in their mess to love them as well. And so that just mm-hmm. really was a passage that checked me hard. Like, girl, you don't want help. Girl, you don't want people to see you with your mask go out. Let me take Let me take yeah. yeah, That's good. Well, and 
The Bible also says to bear with one another's burdens because it's fulfilling the law of Christ. It's what Galatians 6 says. And I know that I can't bear anyone else's burdens in my life if I'm not able to even deal with the burdens that I'm carrying in my own life and allow others to carry my burdens. I think I can be good at carrying other people's burdens. And maybe I'm speaking right at you. You're really dang good at carrying other people's burdens. But how often is it hard to let other people carry yours, to walk alongside you in those painful parts? And what that exposes is the mask that we still maybe are wearing that we're unaware of. And they're sneaky. Those freaking masks are sneaky. And yet when we find relationships, we believe God is a communal God. God is a God who created us to be in community with one another, to not do life alone for a purpose and for a reason. Jesus could have walked the earth by himself and accomplished everything that he did by himself, but he didn't. He chose 12. That's good. That's good. He chose 12 to walk with. He chose 12 to model how to, to love with. He chose 12 to show the, the authentic raw parts of him too. So if Jesus needs to walk alongside people, he didn't even need to, but if Jesus chose to walk alongside 12 others, what makes me think on my worst day that I need to go inward and to shut everybody out? But that's what we do. We shut people out of our life. We think, I got this. I could do life on my own. I don't need nobody else. When the reality is that's never how we were created to be. And when we have relationships where there is psychological safety, where there is grace that's extended, we're able to dwell in the room of grace. And I know we talked a lot about the room of grace in the last episode, but this was a beautiful culmination of the room of grace when we're in relationship with other people. And it says, we who dwell in the room of grace have come to believe that we are who God says we are. We're not trying to change into someone else. We're not trying to eventually arrive at some higher level. God has formed us exactly the way he wanted, and we've come to believe it. We mature into who we already are, much like a caterpillar matures into a butterfly. We are convinced he wanted us to be here at this exact time, at this exact place, with exactly these personality traits and bents. That's not to say this is a passive relationship. There's incredible effort in such a journey, but it starts with us knowing that we're loved, loved, complete, and righteous. And Jesus taught us that our efforts will focus not on sinning less, but on loving others. We can strive to sin less all we want, but not love more. But when we start to love more, we cannot help but to sin less. And this effort allows us to extend the love to others that are wounded, angry, and unlovely. I love it. And I think for me, that has been the absolute truth is that when I have allowed myself to be loved by others and I have allowed myself to dwell in who I know God says I am. A couple episodes ago, we talked about, I have a picture in my kitchen that stands right next to the door that exits my house. And it is a picture of me at a time in my life where I believed and I knew who I was and I was living into that freedom. And it's not to say that I have to return back to that place, but it's a reminder to me that she is in there. And I could sit and tell you, this is who I am. But do I feel like her every day? No. And that is why I need community. 
That is why I need people to remind me who I am on my worst day. That is why I need people to call me out or to gently, whether it's with salt or with sugar, remind me, Aaron, you're believing a lie right now and cut it out. And I feel like we get to do that for one another, but I want this community to be able to start to do that for one another too. I want this to become a place where things are so safe that the worst of you could be known and yet you still believe that you're fully loved because that is actually the gospel of Jesus. Listen, nothing will make a person love more than receiving a love they don't feel they deserve. Yeah. When I feel like somebody is loving me at my ugliest, at my worst, when I feel least deserving of it, that is when I want to give love the most. Yeah. If somebody can do it for me, I wouldn't give that gift. The most incredible part about this love story that we call the Bible, the life of Jesus, is that he came when we were undeserving and did the ultimate of love so that we operate in this world out of love. Yeah. Period. And he did that act of love, not out of disappointment, not out of annoyance, not out of a place of, gosh, I gotta go save their, you know what? I cuss on this podcast, so I'm trying to be better about it. I know. I want to be fully me. But once again, the narratives that we believe, he didn't do it from those places. He did it from a place of complete love, complete desire for us to be reconciled to to him, to wake up to the fact that we already are reconciled to him. The work that Jesus did on the cross isn't work that we have to earn our keep towards. And yet that's what we've believed for a long time. And our our masks still communicate that that's still what we believe. But we have already been reconciled. That's why that's a part of our DNA of communion. Reconciliation to ourselves, to others, and to God. Because that's the one we don't have to work toward being reconciled to. It's already happened. The reconciliation has already happened. But it is the work of us recognizing it. Exactly. All we have to do is believe. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. You are reconciled. You are love. You belong here. Yes. Fully seen. Fully known. Math. Mm-hmm. Yes. At our table in this room of grace. We hope you accept this invitation. Absolutely. Come to life with us. I love so- getting to talk about this stuff. This has been a sweet, sweet conversation. And I wanted to bring this up too for when this episode launches and comes out. If this book is something, which this is what the book looks like. If this book is something that you guys want us to keep talking about, we will be happy to break more of this down because there is so, we have literally skimmed the circuit, circus. <laughs> Sometimes it feels like a circus. The surface of what this book really talks about. And once again, we are not worshiping a book. This book has pointed us back to the truth of of scripture and what the Bible actually says. It just gives some clearer words for the ways that we've misinterpreted scripture. So I just want to throw that out there. But thanks T as always for this conversation. It has been 
so sweet. And I'm, I love you. I'm so grateful to get to be in this with you. Girl, right back at you. Love you so, so much. Love all of you who are listening. We're so thankful. Please keep with us on this journey. Join us. Yes. Give us your thoughts. Let us know where your heads and your hearts are because we can't do it alone. Let the reconciliation begin. Thanks so much for listening today. Want to stay up to date with our episodes? Then subscribe to our podcast and newsletter on our website, come-union.com. Follow us on Instagram at come.union. Rather watch our podcast, then subscribe to our YouTube channel at come underscore union. We are so glad you're a part of this community.